This podcast episode is brought to you by the Outcomes Rocket Network, where you get your healthcare insights from the most inspiring healthcare podcasters. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sombre Health Outcomes Rocket Podcast. This is where we talk with healthcare leaders on the state of the industry, patient engagement, and technology innovation. I'm your host, Rich Prest, and today we're fortunate to be speaking with Liam McMorrow, who is a leader in digital health at Nova Nordisk. Liam got an early start as an entrepreneur in digital health, so I'm keen to see what lessons he can share with us today about that. Uh, Liam, welcome to the podcast today. Hi, Rich. Thanks for having me. You bet. So maybe, Liam, just to kick things off and to help our audience uh, get to know you a little better, maybe you can share if you had a dream career when you were growing up. Yeah, but not not in healthcare. Uh, yeah. First off, school player. The dream. I didn't really think too deeply after that. It was I wanted a a job in an office that that paid me well. That was kind of the <laughs> the bulk of it. So, yeah. So pretty pretty simple. <laughs> So, so how does a, a Scottish lad end up working, uh, living and working in Copenhagen? What's the what was the the path that led you to your current role? Yeah, yeah. So before coming to Copenhagen, I had a startup for a few years, mm. and uh, we won one of these innovation challenges with with Novo Nordisk, Very uh, cool. who was a global Danish pharma company. And then just through contacts there, when it was kind of falling apart, I was having a few conversations, and one of them said. If you want to come and work in, in Novo Nordisk, we can find your positions. So I jumped at the opportunity and, and moved to Copenhagen. Awesome. And so I know your, your early days of a career, but in terms of accomplishments or favorite roles, are there any any things in particular that speak out from to you from what you've done? Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely miss the startup world. I think um, the kind of having one thing to focus on and few stakeholders to manage is a uh, is, is a nice way to work. Corporate's definitely more complex in terms of just stakeholder management and, and the pace of things. So yeah, being a founder in a startup, I think was my, my, my favorite role. And then in terms of accomplishments, I think this, I don't want this to sound cheesy, but because it, it actually did mean a lot, but we were uh, trying to encourage people to check their blood sugar. Mm. And uh, one mother emailed me once and said how her kid was finally checking their blood sugars at school using the the app that we built. So that was a pretty cool email to receive. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I know it, it makes a ton of difference to us. You know, we see these texts coming in from patients and just every time you feel like you've helped someone, it just, it's a really rewarding thing. So yeah, very cool to have that experience. Cool. And then as you sort of look forward uh, to your career, like, is there something that you'd, you'd love to achieve or accomplish or to be remembered for? And yeah. Yeah. If, I think so. I, I, I live with type 1 diabetes. So I'm yeah. very much into uh, like diabetes technologies mm. and the, the advancements in the field right now in terms of continuous glucose monitors, insulin pumps, connected pens. Mm. it's just going to be completely different to when I was diagnosed 20 years ago and you had to prick your finger and inject four or five times a day. So yeah. somehow getting involved in, in that and uh, either improving access to these technologies or contributing to their design, I think 
it's, yeah, people diagnosed with type 1 diabetes today are going to look back at 20 years ago, like we do with needles and syringes that are mm. like, you know, a couple of inches long and stuff. So getting involved there fascinates me. And then, and then maybe even taking it like one step ahead where you've got companies like Prevention Bio with a, almost like a, a, a vaccine almost for, for diabetes and, mm. and no we have an internal cell therapy unit. And you've got companies like Vertex doing really exciting stuff as well to cure type 1 diabetes. So I'm not sure how exactly, but, but somewhere along that lines would be, would be awesome to, to get involved in. <laughs> yeah, it, it's amazing to think that this sort of age of engineering biology is just beginning and uh, we're starting to see a few cures come through and, and that really will uh, revolutionize lives if we can see uh, science continue to do amazing things with more more disease states. So very cool. So maybe we can now sort of pivot to talking about the industry today. Is there something that you can think of where perhaps people just don't understand an aspect of healthcare that you think industry insiders maybe have a better better understanding of than perhaps the general public? I, I think, so I have a background in health economics. So mm. I kind of starting point is just to understand how the money flows mm-hmm. and i think a lot of people might get frustrated with healthcare or you know have just complaints but but once you understand how how the money flows it, a lot of it makes a lot of sense you know yeah now in in the us the money flows in a lot more complex ways uh, than than in europe i think but it still sheds a lot of light on on behaviors and, and systems and why things might not be easy to access and so yeah, I think I think just dig into who pays who and why and for what, and then you'll slowly start to make sense of, of a lot a lot of complexity. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. That's uh, that's usually a, a strong driver for why things are the way they are. So uh, yeah, definitely a, a good place to look if if something doesn't quite make sense at face value. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So then, if you could change anything overnight in healthcare what uh what what do you think that would be what would be a focus area yeah like so being in europe i, mm. I think access to care like looking mm. at the u.s system is still is still a big a big issue and, and almost an issue that we don't think about that much because a lot of the, the public health systems in europe enable very good access mm. but then being more specific it would be the access to, to diabetes technology like that's what yeah. i I like I think about yeah. you can see the the benefits in these these devices and and these algorithms and and the companies are now starting to launch their own closed loop systems so this is where mm. the the insulin pump talks directly to the the continuous glucose monitor and mm. then it'll make insulin adjustments every every couple of minutes and oh wow oh that's really cool because that's always been a problem right is this sort of pendulum where you you get into a blood sugar problem and then you put some insulin in and you swing to the other end of the pendulum and it's always been very challenging for for diabetics i understand to to get that insulin levels right and uh so hopefully that closed loop system has more chance of of dialing that in yeah exactly and it just does it you know every few minutes and it does Mm. it with smaller, you know, adjustments. So it's just easier for it to self-correct because that's it. Like so many things affect blood sugars and uh, it's very difficult to, to predict. But if you just have an algorithm checking it every couple of minutes, it can mm-hmm. just make these adjustments. And so, yeah, as these um, these devices get launched, there will be a, an additional cost, I'm sure. And uh, I think they, they, they can be life-changing. So enabling access to those 
those kinds of technologies, I think, will um, yeah, could make a big difference in healthcare. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, eliminating that sort of bullwhip effect. Yeah, be very cool. Excellent. So, I think we've chatted a few times in the past about some of the challenges, sort of introducing and scaling innovations, and love it if you could share what some of your experiences have been in terms of the challenges you see and the um, and any lessons you've learned from from that. Yeah. yeah. So within within a big pharma company, I think um, the the first thing is that even though a lot of people are keen to make it happen the digital side of things isn't isn't core yet to the the offering like it's a Mm. it's a therapy um it's not a digital therapeutic and so what that means is that the entire organization is is kind of designed to bring a a pharmacotherapy to market and to Mm -hmm. promote and to sell it and to make sure that it delivers the, the the benefits that that were shown in clinical studies and and the, the digital component of that is even though i think people want to change this and, and have it more closely integrated it's really difficult to do when when the the organization by design has been has been set up to to bring a, a molecule to market mm. and so so from the the get-go that's that's always a, a challenge, I think, because at the end of the day, you're trying to promote something that isn't on everyone's priority list. Right. And then if you do manage to find that kind of project that that is going to kind of tick everyone's boxes, yeah, letting everyone know that this is what you're doing and, and this is how, how, how you want to do it and this is why it's the best way to do it is, is also very challenging in, in mm. big corp. The, the stakeholder management aspect is is huge and it uh you really do need to kind of go slowly to get everyone on board or it will be there will be blockers and but for right or wrong reasons and and i i haven't figured this out (laughs) it's uh it's it it just makes it very difficult to 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 get it going i think Mm -hmm. and then if you do have something going and and you're into that sort of like scaling aspect Mm -hmm. of things you're back to the organizational structure like if, if you've got a successful digital product on, on the market you're kind of dealing with the commercial side of the organization not mm-hmm. so much um the development side and so yeah. it's it's very challenging to i think get the necessary resources maybe to scale something when when you're in a more sort of business focused aspect of the, the organization and and people have have targets to reach and and short-term targets and and mm-hmm. so yeah that there may be three of the, the the big challenges i see every day <laughs> yeah 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 so that's 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 an interesting point so you know in addition to like every step of the way you're going to have different set of stakeholders and you're going to need to give them all of an opportunity to to come on board uh and then you're also going to have this transition from sort of product development to sort of commercial and you know whether that's devices or digital or traditional sort of prescription medicines it's the same sort of challenge right the clinical and the commercial orgs are, are different have different time scales and different different incentives and and metrics and so uh yeah understanding those transitions is is key to navigating the path and and helping to continue to keep that innovation alive and 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 scaling so yeah good points yeah. 
in terms of, you know, we've chatted a little bit about some of the exciting stuff happening with uh, diabetes um, uh, technologies, but are there any other sort of key trends or developments you're watching that you think are going to have a, a significant impact on the on the industry as it goes forward? Yeah, definitely. I so so Nova Nordisk is a diabetes company, and and I'm very much interested in diabetes. But my my day work now is is mostly focused on obesity, and what we're seeing are and this just isn't this isn't in in obesity only, but these vertical verticals in healthcare, I think, uh, are really interesting. Mm. Where you know you've got basically a, an entire vertical pop up overnight that can recruit new patients, can mm-hmm. give them access to a doctor, can issue prescriptions, and then can provide them that like patient support to uh, mm. to provide that follow up care and and do it in a sort of a a technology enabled environment where you know it's it's text messages and and video calls it's not two hours in a waiting room every every three or four months mm-hmm. they're yeah they're popping up in in all sorts of, of areas of healthcare and and the one that I, i'm looking most closely into would be obesity mm-hmm. and then the the way they operate as well is 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 really fascinating because they're definitely challenging assumptions so so even in some markets, they define what what constitutes a, a doctor-patient relationship. Mm. So some markets see it as you have to have had that face-to-face consultation. You need to meet them in person. But like we've never met in person, but we've spoken. Right. And Brian. Yeah. So it's it's nice to have these rules, I think, for a health system to provide some kind of guidance, but but they don't always make sense. And then mm-hmm. the the next layer of that then is you know uh, diagnosing remotely you know is this is this okay uh, is this safe is it possible and and again for something like obesity we're seeing in, in some markets it is they um they even take mm. it one step further where you can you can diagnose via an asynchronous consultation mm. so someone will share their their information and then the doctor will review that and then make a, a diagnosis and and a treatment decision and and i think this is awesome because it's it's a patient being able to share the information that they see is fit they don't you know the doctor doesn't have to look at the screen while they're trying to talk to someone they don't feel mm. like they're pressed for time they can they can relax and, and respond when there's a good time for them and of course there are always you know potential for the system to be misused and and there needs to be careful checks in place but having this whole new aspect of care where people can access it on on their terms i think is is uh yeah, it's it's impressive to see, and there's a lot of companies doing some really cool stuff. Oh, thank you for that, Liam. So, in terms of future opportunities that you're excited about, uh, anything you wanted to share there? Yeah, yeah. So, so I think when it comes to the the verticals in healthcare, and then our work in obesity, uh, we've actually just set up a new team, which is trying to figure out how how a big pharmaceutical company can. Uh, work with these sort of verticals and and other mm. companies in the space to enable more awareness around obesity as a disease and also access to treatment through these sorts of channels that we're seeing through the consumerization of healthcare. So so it, it's it's pretty exciting to be within a big organization doing this because you can definitely feel the the interest is growing and we have some internal pilots running with some really strong results. 
So yeah, so right now internally our, our team is growing. So if, if anyone's interested, they can, they can reach out. And also if anyone is doing something in the obesity space that they think could be of interest, we'd love to figure out if we can if if and how we could work together because this isn't something that that pharma can do by itself. We need to partner and uh, how we help uh, these verticals mature. It's it's an exciting space and and it's the one of the most exciting areas of I think how pharma and and digital health overlap and uh, we're seeing some really really strong business cases develop as well, which makes everything easier to <laughs> to get going. Yeah. Makes sense. You know, a strong business case, and exactly, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's uh, that's really cool to hear about, and uh, yeah, it's it's fascinating to watch this sort of consumerization of of healthcare, and and I think this sort of ability to do a search, get connected to a telehealth consult, uh, get a diagnosis, get a prescription, get it shipped to your home. It's uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how far those sorts of approaches can go. And I think we've seen a lot of it with generic meds, but I think we're going to see it spreading into traditional and and special and maybe even specialty meds. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and and that's it. It's uh, I think the the verticals that are popping up now, uh, there seems to be like uh, they're being underserved by mm-hmm. the health system in, in some way uh, there may be like not as urgent you know it's not like there's an mm-hmm. emergency care you know and then there never should be but but there's um or maybe there should if you know if it doesn't, if it doesn't yeah appointment, you know if you don't need yeah. to go in or, that's or right if you if you could get triage from home rather than waiting six hours in the uh emergency room then uh maybe that'd be better for everybody you know? yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, where 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 the um where it gets the where it goes is is really exciting, and I think as well there's I can see uh like in the near future how the traditional healthcare system responds will be really interesting too because they're definitely going to adopt some of these practices. Like I seen a, an article from the US where a doctor spoke really favorably about asynchronous consultations because mm. of the 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 time that it, it it saved him and the um we hadn't i hadn't thought about it from a, a doctor's perspective before mm-hmm. you know yeah so as traditional healthcare takes aspects of of these verticals and and you know can provide a, a more technology enabled like healthcare service i think it's it's going to kind of raise the bar all around which is great yeah absolutely yeah, I think we've we've come to expect many things with sort of internet commerce and in terms of uh, you know standards of customer service, and it's going to be interesting to see if if that also drives some some changes with healthcare as well. So interesting times as always. So I think you know maybe now just thinking about for for young folks that are thinking about getting started in the industry, would you have any recommendations for them on? where to start or, or what what spaces to to look at yeah. like <laughs> not, not <laughs> coming from a tech background yeah like i think there's a cool program running out of, of stanford biodesign mm-hmm. and they, they have this sort of like clinical immersion aspect to the program where you spend the oh, first cool. in a clinic mm-hmm. yeah I, I don't know how you do it just 
like speak to your friends or your friends of friends who are working in healthcare or like just get into a clinic and like work in admin role or something. But I I just wouldn't presume anything, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's um yeah, that that kind of doing that little bit of of kind of it exposed you to sort of the the patient provider interface and just sort of really understanding how how that works and is it is a great it's not just about oh this is an interesting piece of technology but it's really how it's gonna work or 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 fit in with what they what they do today and what changes would be required and 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 sometimes just you've got to you've got to go into an office or a hospital um just to see how things are done and uh it's it's easy to to visualize but often that visualization is nothing like the reality so uh yeah and and it's amazing how like someone will explain something to you and you'll yeah. fully understand it and then until you see it with your own two eyes you realize you interpret it in a completely yeah. different way what they meant yeah. and um yeah so so i i think mm. to to kind of crack healthcare you just really need to have that understanding and time spent with with doctors and and yeah. patients to, yeah figure out what they what they need go and um, spend spend time with whoever's going to be using the technology and and get yeah. get in their shoes as much as you can because that's going to really help you to to understand uh what some of the challenges will be with uh whatever technology you're trying to help them with exactly and and you know lots of people say healthcare is hard and it's hard because you just always have to take into account multiple perspectives like it's mm-hmm. rare that you one user or one customer so yeah and and shying away from that complexity just it doesn't it doesn't help you end up building the Mm. wrong thing or you it might work for and this Mm. is from experience yeah (laughs) work from some people but it you won't get that adoption you won't get that uptake that actually you're looking for and yeah yeah no i think that's right too the other key here is you know it's not like if you spoke into one potential user that you understand the the scope of potential users and i think you know the more you can speak to the more variety you can see of the settings and the challenges they face then uh and how their particular organization works the the more you'll you'll understand what some of the barriers to adoption will be rather than if you just assume that everybody's going to be like the first one you spoke to because we both know that's not going to be the case (laughs) Yeah, and yeah. The, the the people you speak to first as well are always, you know, yeah. almost you know too helpful and yeah, too, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think it's same advice for for any kind of tech startup. Yeah. I think yeah. just yeah. the added complexity of just all the different stakeholders and no one's willing to pay, and you need to find that that sweet spot, which. Mm-hmm. Um, with a consumer product, it's it's just I think a little bit more simple, and then we didn't even get into the regulations part. But, uh, <laughs> right. Let's save save that for another conversation. <laughs> well, um, what about uh, you? Got any sort of books or uh, podcasts that you you'd recommend for the audience to to check out? In terms of healthcare, mm. I was actually thinking. I don't know if you've read it. There's a really good blog out there called mm. Out of Pocket Costs. Oh yeah, Nikhil Krishnan. Yeah, it's a, that's a killer one. Really, really good. Yeah, yeah. So that that kind of uh, anytime a new one comes in, I, I always save that in my inbox for a mm-hmm. bit of a afternoon reading. Yeah. And then the other 
thing that I, I like is uh, there's a blog called The Generalists and the guy goes mm-hmm. deep into uh, into anything. Mm-hmm. And um, I sometimes think maybe I, I, I'm a bit blinkered because I don't really know anything outside of healthcare. Mm-hmm. It's nice when someone dives into an, an industry that uh, that you just know nothing about and he's just wrote a blog about FC Barcelona. And, oh, wow. Um, yeah. I haven't read it yet, but I'm I'm looking forward to it because it's uh yeah I, I don't really know what he's gonna do. Well, I know they've had a lot of financial trouble and it, it kind of seems they've got a bit creative with with restructuring their debt and and stuff. So um kind of having that sort of outside perspective is always good to see kind of what's coming next in healthcare. Yeah, yeah, I think it's really interesting in an age of specialization. There's still a tremendous amount to be learned from looking at other industries and and seeing seeing what you can bring in so i think that sort of scanning across many many industries and uh and then seeing what you can bring to the vertical you specialize in is makes a lot of sense so and and there's a good chance i think that like as time goes on these verticals like if if they're they're vc backed they need to they need to grow and if they're going to grow they're going to grow like Hmm. you know other other tech companies already have done like a you know uber or something and then they're going to have to win certain markets and will there be network effects and so you can definitely um i wouldn't say history will repeat itself but yeah you can you can see make predictions but then yeah it's fascinating indeed indeed well this is great so uh where can listeners find you uh online and what's the best way for them to connect with you i think linkedin is the the easiest yeah awesome i'm not yeah, don't think I'm really anywhere else. Maybe there's a Facebook profile. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. Well, thank you so much, Liam. It's really uh, great to catch up as always. And um, uh, for our audience, thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you got something of value from this episode. And if you did, please don't forget to review the Sompre Health podcast on your favorite streaming service. It really helps others to find and enjoy the show. So thank you all and catch you on the next one. This episode was brought to you by the Outcomes Rocket Network. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure you leave us a rating and review, subscribe, and let us know what you're looking for.